This is our 50th episode. 50! I, w- I didn't really have an introduction there. No. Um, <laughs> what don't I always say? I'm your host, Martin, with me as always is my co-host, Lorna. Hi! That's the 50th time we've done that. Happy birthday. Happy podcast. birthday to us. Oh, I wonder what it is in like pearl or something. I think it's gold. I was thinking gold. about this earlier, but I haven't looked it up. I'll look it up now. I also meant to look up, but I also didn't. Um... Who to thank? Because obviously you've got to thank ourselves, first and foremost. <laughs> right. Why did you have to look up who to thank? Um, I'll tell you. And then thanks to the listeners who've listened. It's golden. 50 episodes. It is golden. Brilliant. So this golden 50th episode. So, um, yeah, thanks to listeners who have been with us since yes, the start. thank you. And thanks to Innes, who was on about 30-odd episodes, 35 episodes. Yeah. Maybe. A good chunk. Um... And hopefully you might be on some in the future. And my brother and your sister. Oh yeah, I guess. I forgot your sister had been on it. We've had five hosts. Uh, Dan, who's been on four or five episodes mm. probably. Yeah, I think so. A and tenth. Pardon? A tenth. A tenth, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Faye, who's been on, on one. one. A fiftieth. Good, good discussion about New York on that one. Oh yeah. Um. So yeah. 50 years. No. Ah. <laughs> 50 weeks. Yeah, and I was thinking... Except in the first week, we've that's at least what I was three, gonna so say, not quite. Because our 50... Well, it is 50 weeks still. Yeah. Oh, no. 50 weeks 50 for epi- us. 50 yeah. episodes. Yeah, it's the same when we get to 52. That should be a year. But we didn't release the first one until... I mean, we released three at once, didn't we? Yeah. So now this is 48 weeks, maybe? Yeah. But cool. we actually <laughs> first recorded episodes... After the trial few, we did one, I think it was like the 23rd of June. It was, yeah, it was June. So that was like two months before we released it. So we're already past our year yeah. since we started recording. It's very confusing. We'll just stick didn't to the really 50. didn't really matter either, did it? It didn't. I didn't need to tell everyone this. Uh, but I have done. It's two minutes and I'll get on with my report. If you haven't listened before, what what did we do? Hold on about Um, We talk about events, moments, significant things from history, maybe people. Um, we try and focus on things that are not as well known, or if they are quite big events, we try and shine light on some things that you might not have known before. Um, we take turns doing a report, and this week it's Matt's turn. Yeah. And we're excited. We're going back to 50 years ago, right? We're going back 50 years, <laughs> and if you listened to last week's episode, um, you spoiled Oh what, yes. What it where it is? It's in Paris in nineteen sixty eight. Just got carried away. I've just realised. Um, we actually only recorded that last week's episode yesterday. Okay, just yep. to break the magic of podcasting. Um, we mentioned James Holman. The yes. Um, he was blind the focus traveler. of the report. He yeah. was the focus and then we tried to find movies about him and we found a director I actually watched one of the guys no you didn't i found um the guy on online and watched one of his watched youth in yangon which was How one was of it? the uh, the shorts yeah the, the short. short i couldn't find the other one uh, but he's got loads on that was on vimeo he's got loads he's got like a web page with all his cool commercials and everything on and that was about skateboarders in Yangon. I don't know oh. where that is, but um, I don't know. Maybe New Zealand. That's where he lives. It was like twelve minutes long. Um, was he pretty good? Yeah, it was okay. Good. This is a ringing endorsement for yeah. this guy, um, and 
we should tag him in our last episode. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's see if we've done that. So mm-hmm. this week um, might be a bit of a long one. Mm-hmm. 50th episode. Um, the 1968 Paris Riots. Yes. You heard of this? I have. Have you? Well, briefly. I know it's a thing. I don't oh. know anything about it. But I think I know of it for the same reason that you know of it. Well, I'd never heard of this until a few months ago. And was it on a leaflet? It was on a leaflet. Oh, yes. <laughs> so um, we go to a, a cinema and theatre in the centre of Manchester mm-hmm. called Home. It's a good one. But it's a bad adv- bad name. Still, yeah, I don't. Like, oh, where, yeah, sometimes even we get confused when we're like, where are we watching it? At home. Or at home. Yeah. <laughs> Tough. Um, and they, but it's nice because it, it's meant to feel like home. I know so in it a way, is. it's good. Yeah. Yeah. And they had, a, they had a season of films around the theme of the spirit of 68. Mm-hmm. And honestly, for, uh, there was like a revolutionary person on the flag and there was the Eiffel Tower. I remember. Yep. And, um,. It sort of prompted me to look a bit more into it and learn a bit more about what happened. And I thought, you know, 50 episodes, might as well do it. Yeah. 50 years ago. Love it. And it was actually May 1968, so we, we've just missed it. That's why the those yeah, films are on. Yeah, we'll go off years. Yeah, so. Riots is a thing. Okay. That's what we're talking about. And um, what caused these riots? I've got some sort of background here. Okay. 1968 in France, things seemed pretty good. Okay. Um, economic growth was strong. Inflation was pretty weak. Mm-hmm. Living standards were rising. There weren't much unemployment. Sounds like a good place to live. Sounds all right. Seems fine. And apparently, um, from 1945 to 1975, that time period is still known as Le Trent Glorious's. Oh. <laughs> um, 30 years of unbroken growth and relative prosperity. So it was sort of a good time after the bad time of the war and everything like that. Yeah. There were a lot of young people at this time. Uh, baby boom had taken place. <gasps> yes, the baby boom. World War Two, The end of World War Two, And um, and in the years after that. So in 1954, the uh, number of under 20s uh, made up 30.7%. And then in 1968, it had gone up to 33.8%. Doesn't seem like a lot, but it's like three percent up in in fourteen years. Yeah, it's years. not bad. Um, and in nineteen sixty seven, the school leaving age was raised from six, fourteen to sixteen years of age. So this meant they had more students for a longer period of time in schools. Um, and obviously that meant they need to expand school buildings. This is going to get it sounds a bit dry, but it gets more interesting. Okay. And they needed more staff. So there was a lot of teachers who were quickly trained. Basically, everything was a bit slapdash, a bit... They were rushing to keep up with the pace of, like, the amount of students, basically. Right. And so that maybe it weren't the best quality, they weren't the best trained teachers. Which isn't what you need, really. Yeah, every... Quality over quantity. It was just a bit rushed. And the same was for universities as well, as it was oh. in Britain at the time. Um, and it just wasn't smooth, especially for the people living through it. In 1938, France had had 60,000 uni students. In 1961, there was 240,000. And in 1968, there was 605,000. Are you joking? So that was like... That is massive. Um, a big increase. A big... Even, like, from 38 to 
68 from 60,000 to 605,000 is massive. But even from 61, that's which is 240,000. That's that's tripled in seven years, just under tripled. Yeah, almost, yeah. Doubled in a bit. Doubled in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the same amount as Britain, West Germany and Belgium had combined. So France had a lot of students. Yeah, but that's pretty good. It sounds advanced to me. It does. But obviously only if they've got the capacity and the resource to support yeah. that. And there's been a lot, there's been a lot, obviously because it's a big event, there's been a lot made since then. Mm-hmm. Historians have looked at it. There's a French historian of the period called Eric Alary. Safe? I don't, oh no. <laughs> I've written Eric Alary, you comma. spelled said wrong, said, But I've spelled said wrong and I've written <laughs> safe. <laughs> So he said that um, May 68 is seen as a period when audacious moves seemed possible and during which society profoundly changed. So you'll see, and I want you to form an opinion on whether you think society profoundly changed okay. because of this. So 68 was a, a time of conserv- conservatism and dullness. That's what people think. Oh, that so sound good, especially in France, because the rest of the world are having like revolutions, San Francisco and the Flower Power Revolution. Oh, I was going to do a pod report on Flower Power. Oh, you can still do it. That started the year before, apparently. The Beatles had released Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band a year before as well. Mm-hmm. It's like the French were late to the party of these revolutions Which seems happening. Unusual, exactly. They were so advanced. They, no, but because they're always rev- having a revolution. <laughs> Um, they like every like five years. They love a revolution. The French, just for whatever reason. I think that's because they're very assertive as a nation. Yeah. Yeah. Don't back down, um, and we'll get on to the start of these protests in a second. But when they when the actual protests began, all the French were really smartly dressed. They had like they were in ties. They had really nice hair. You know, students, mm-hmm. women were wearing sensible skirts. Men were in well pressed trousers. And then by the end of this revolution, they started to look more like the revolutionaries that you think of, like scruffy, psychedelic. More like students now when they're trying to be edgy and the clothes yes. are just holy. More like, if you just think of like the Beatles at that time, more like Flower Power. They were more, they'd moved from very conservative Neat. to, you know, a bit more. Mm. Um, I guess it delivers a message, doesn't it? Yeah. So... Like I said, there's focus on universities in particular for mm-hmm. this um, riot and protest. They're not just academic places, Lorna. They're also is? social places, aren't they? Yeah, I had a lot of friends at uni. Exactly. All right. <laughs> a big shot. Sorry, I lived with a B-knock. Um, a B-knock. A big name on campus. Thank you. Um, they are places where you're exposed to new ideas and you learn independence. You have a bit of freedom for the oh, first time. Oh, 100%. I was going I've written I know uni was the first time that I felt I had some freedom, independence and responsibility. Yeah, I did. I had to walk to work. Well, it's not painful. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Quite liked my walk. Oh god. So a lot of students were going through this big change in the education system. Um and it was a weird place. They felt penned in, they felt like controlled by these conservative teachers. Mm-hmm. Uh you went to your lecture hall and you just scribbled down notes and it was Quietly oppressive. That's what I read. Oh, so well, that's what we do. We went to a lecture hall and scribbled down notes. Yeah, but they they felt it was quietly oppressive. What did they want? Um, 
I don't think they were being taught. You know what I mean? You're not you're not getting someone who's engaging you and teaching you. Just oh, being like, look like, at this, copy yeah. this down. Okay. Um. So maybe more than even today, they were left to their own devices to learn and educate themselves. Oh, which and is really annoying. That's the worst part. Like, I love going to a lecture. I love learning. But then don't, in the exam, ask me something different. Me and you did um, history, which is a very um, self-taught sort of gig. Well, it is, but to a certain extent. Like, I'm quite happy to go away and do further reading on a topic. But then a lot of, like, a lot of my lecturers were really good. But one or two just, I don't know what they were talking about. Didn't seem relevant to their exams. But the rest were really nice. This is an issue we need to take up with Newcastle University, I think. You didn't need to name it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, basically, anything and everything, any change would come from them. Yeah. This is where the story starts. I'm sorry we're 10 minutes in. Oh, no, it's good. We need a little bit of background. It's actually outside of Paris. Suburb, seven miles to northwest, called Nanterre. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Nan, N-A-N-T-E-R-R-E. I'd say Nanterre. It wasn't May either, it was March Oh, two months earlier. There was a uni campus being built there, and it started in 1962. Mm-hmm. So in 1968, still not built. Still not finished. Long time, what are they doing? I could do better. Yeah. Your dad could do better. Oh, he could. He's an electrician. <laughs> Currently on a big project. <laughs> Ghost you. Um, still, even though it's being built, there was 12,000 students living there. Amongst... What, on a building site? <laughs> Yeah, essentially. I'd be annoyed as well. They studied there as well, and it was essentially just still a building site. <laughs> um, students, this so that I thought, oh, I understand why, you know, maybe this is why it's starting. They've got some gripes. Yeah. More importantly to the students, um, which is fair enough, don't get me wrong, they uh, were not allowed to circulate freely between the residences of male and female students. Basically, they wanted to be able to have sex. They wanted to be able. It's like they're on a school trip and they're not allowed into the girls' room. (laughs) Yeah, it is. That is why they started this protest. So, (laughs) but but it's a big thing that they just just weren't allowed. But they weren't allowed, so they felt like. Why were they not allowed? That's bizarre as well. Very conservative, um, very strict, and even the UK were open up on this front, and they were like, "What the UK is doing? Like Britain is doing (laughs) this, and the French." We're very, we're we very advanced. Yeah, but like they don't, they, the French people are like, I can't believe the UK are allowing this, but we're not. What nonsense. So, um, just seems bizarre that that's the start. That should be one thing that, that annoys them. But yeah, I think there was other things, <laughs> like like I said, the quietly oppressive regime. The building site. The building site. <laughs> um, no sex as well. So these students decided to stage some protests. 150 of them uh, occupied a building uh, on campus led by Daniel Cohn-Bendit. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. He's mm-hmm. really famous. Um, I, can't, I don't know why I didn't write down his nickname, but he, was somebody, he has really red hair. So they used Aww. to call him like the Rouge something or other. Oh, that sounds good. Strangely enough, I'll just put this in there because I don't think I wrote it later on. He's now a politician in France and he's very... He's like gone the other way. I knew that was coming then. <laughs> um, I don't know if he is conservative, but he's gone a bit the other way from this sort of revolutionary ties. No, but I do think that sometimes you get carried away. Mm. And I don't I don't necessarily think your political views will stay the same your whole yeah. life. But I do think that when people go extremes, I think they just got a bit caught up in the moment. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Just wanted to have sex, didn't they? Dan, Danny. Yeah, he was Danny that. Rouge. I think he's something like that. So anyway... 
police surrounded the building. Mm-hmm. The demands, yeah, grew out of this want for, for some sex, basically. Um, there were other war? issues on the mind, like <laughs> Vietnam War, the Vietnamese War. Did France fight in the Vietnamese War? No, I don't think so. But, um, so this is what I get onto later on. The fa- the students' demands throughout this are very vague. They sort of fluctuate. Oh, I love it though. <laughs> they don't know what they want. Exactly. Someone just else protesting. is protesting about the Vietnam War. They're like, yeah, actually, that's I good. don't agree with that. Yeah. So, <laughs> Which um, is good though. No, oh, yeah. I think that they should protest against the Vietnamese yeah. War, even if they are in France. Yeah. Because it was a bad thing. Okay. So, several of the students were threatened with expulsion. Oh. And basically, they, they, they came to an agreement with police. Um, to I think they published the students' wishes in like a magazine or something. I don't know, in like a student newspaper. I'm not sure. Okay. This is a bit vague. Yeah. Um, I just want to put this in now. Because there's a lot in this topic, so I didn't go into everything. Mm-hmm. Skimmed. Look up. You know, it's an hour-long podcast, and this is something that takes up like 500-page book. You know what I mean? Yeah, so if you're interested, you could have a read is yeah. what Matt's trying to say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As with all our topics, mm-hmm. which we skim yeah. over quickly. Yeah, because there's only so much yeah, we can exactly. look into. And also, I might think something's really interesting and someone else might not, so I include it in my report, but somebody yeah. else might include something else. So yeah. So these students left the building. Mm-hmm. Pretty simple, but they weren't really content. Um, so they went to the Sorbonne, which is France's premier university. In the middle of the Latin Quarter. Ooh. And that sort of kicked off May 1968. Um, a demonstration had started there in support of the students revolting in Nanterre. Mm-hmm. So, at like, the same time, they'd be like, oh, I don't, See, I I don't like these. Yeah, literally, over, I don't like that the police are surrounding these people. You know, I don't like having the free speech mm-hmm. stopped. We're going to start it. So then they came over and joined their allies in the Sorbonne. Um, on May 2nd, the authorities shut down the University of Nanterre. Just went in, just were like, all right, we're going to shut it down. The students who had fled to the Sorbonne clearly saw this as an act of war on them. Right. Between, um, between the university authorities and, and the student body, uh, the Sorbonne had been founded 700 years earlier. It's a prestige university. Yeah, it's a premier one. Yeah. Premier League, f- it? it was a pillar of French education. Um, and that's why they'd gone there to voice their displeasures. But the police didn't really seem to care about this history of the Sorbonne. They invaded the Sorbonne the next day, May the 3rd. Are you, are you joking? Um, and the demonstrators had been promised that they could leave freely, but 400 were brutally arrested. By who? The police? By the police. So it's kicked off pretty quick, pretty quickly. Sorry, I thought you said the police didn't care about no, the Sorbonne. You the said police. the police. Right, I understand. They went in. Arrested people. Mad. So, it's kicked off. Mm-hmm. Big it only gets worse from here. Right. May the 6th, the National Students' Union and the Uni- Union of University Teachers decided to organise a protest march. Um, a lot of their people had been arrested. Were you part of the Student Union, the National Union of Students? No, I don't think so, were you? Um, no, I have a student discount card. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> but while we were in uni, they had loads of bad press. Oh, did they? Yeah, but I can't remember why. Oh. I think they said one of them said something bad. Oh. Well. Oh, well. I might tweet it if I can find it. <laughs> so, um, the head of the police didn't want the Sorbonne to have an influx of students, you know, mm-hmm. in this protest march. He saw that as a potential major issue. Issue? 
So he had 500, no, 1,500 officers placed to defend the Sorbonne from students trying to get in, which um, literally sounds a bit like a war line. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess it was to them. Turned out 6,000 protesters arrived. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a violent confrontation. Maybe a few violent confrontations between the two. Cobblestones were ripped up and thrown by demonstrators. Oh my god. Um, The police used tear gas grenades. Dozens of uh, paramilitary police officers were taken to hospitals. Students fought themselves free of police. Police? Some were arrested. There's a famous saying because of the damage that was done to the mm-hmm. streets and everything. Because they overturned cars and they ripped out trees oh as well. But like I said, most famously, they threw cobblestones. And under the cobblestones was sand. So there's a saying that goes, I'm going to try my hand at some French. Okay. These are words I've never said before. Sous les paves, la plague. <laughs> I don't think that's right. The plage. So under the cobblestones, the beach. Because it was just sand underneath Aww. the cobblestones. That's like a famous Sounds saying. Sounds like a nice saying, though, looking yeah. from that. Um, how did, like, the rest of society feel about this? Because obviously this is a student and police issue. Yeah. So how did... The rest of society come into this okay, in a minute. Okay, well, carry on then. Um, so the next day, um, students, teachers, an increasing number of young workers gathered at the Art de Triomphe um, in Paris... And they demanded charges against the rest of the students be dropped um, and that police leave the university and reopen the two universities. Mm -hmm. But nothing came of this agreement. Nothing came of these negotiations. No agreements were made. But young workers are getting involved and I'll talk about them in a minute. Yeah. The students went back, tried to go back to campuses. I don't really know. I'm assuming, you know, you think of a protest as one big group. Like they all went to the Art of Triumph. But then I'm assuming different like subgroups came off of that because some went tried to um go back to the, their campuses but like they were already occupied by the police but they got there and they were like the police were occupying and they got more like um oh, yeah, taken like, over yeah. by this like revolutionary feeling there was a lot basically a lot of tension going on and i bet there's a lot of rumors as well yeah 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 it's one of them and there was a lot of uh yeah tension in the capital was rising Oh. 10th of May. It was only a week after it started. Yep. There's a uh, this fear as well. The senior politicians are fearing an insurrection is being planned. Which are you joking? Might this set, has escalated. <laughs> might set the whole country off on like a, a massive revolution. Yeah. Um. On the same day, a special riot police unit was stopping um, demonstrators from crossing the river. I'm assuming assuming that's the say. How do you say that? The Sen, sign. Sign. Same, same. I don't know. I say sand, okay. but I don't know. It's like in, in York, um, the river's called the River Ooze. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the student newspapers is called the News. <laughs> good, that is good. Um, but I remember being in like third year, and someone be like, "Oh, have you got the got the noose noose? Have you got the noose?" And I was like, "What oh are you talking God. about?" And they were like, "The the newspaper." I was like. Do you mean the the news? <laughs> but that's another one of them things, though, like yeah. news, because it sounds like the word news spelled N-E-W-S. That's what. That's the whole purpose. No, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> what but are you trying to if say? If you're like, have you seen the news? <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Someone might think you've mean TV. Ah, news. well, they didn't say that. They said the news anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which, so. was, <laughs> which was wrong. 
Anyway, in back in Paris, yeah, 1968, they were stopping demonstrators crossing the river. The crowd built barricades to like protect themselves. I don't know what from um, on the streets of Paris, and the police attacked these barricades at about two fifteen in the morning. So negotiations were basically going nowhere between the police and uh, and and the students and the people in the protests. And this again led to hundreds of arrests and injuries and confrontation lasted until dawn. Mm-hmm. People have to go to bed at some point, don't they? Yeah, I think so. This was a time of television and radio. Uh-huh. Events were broadcast on the radio as they happened and the yeah. aftermath was shown on televisions. The police were very heavy-handed and brutal in their treatment of the protesters and this led to sympathy for the cause. Did you see any pictures or videos? Um, I think I saw a couple of pictures, maybe, but maybe, okay. yeah, maybe a couple of pictures. I didn't see any videos. Um, you can. I think if you search it, it does you come could, up with some. Yeah. yeah. Um, a big moment happened when the on Monday the thirteenth of May, the major union federations called a one day strike and demonstration. So actually, they called that strike for Monday the thirteenth. Workers were going to march with the students. Mm-hmm. So these workers, as I said, you had a few young workers joining and more yeah. and more people. They were angry and frustrated as well. Um, there'd been sporadic industrial trouble since the start of the year. Um, over half the workers did 48-hour weeks. Yeah. Um, they were afraid about the standard of living not improving. And although unemployment was low, it was rising, which I thought was interesting because... You know, the stats I said at the start was like, standard living was high, unemployment was low. Yeah. It seems nice, but I guess different people have different views on it. And if you're living, like, we can look back and like, the stats say, look, it seemed nice. But for the people yeah, living it you then. Yeah, don't experience it. Exactly. And I think it's, like, your life's a bit bigger than a statistic of yeah. unemployment. and Exactly. Stats can only give you so much. Yeah. Um, but it's experiences of the people at the time that matter. Mm-hmm. So I've in there. Um, so like the students who felt oppressed, the workers felt oppressed and treated as inferior by bosses and union bosses as well. Mm. Um, also key was the fact that France, like these stats say, was supposed to be a prosperous place, but none of these workers were seeing any of that prosperity. There was yeah. a big class divide between the people in charge and, and these working class people. Yeah. So workers took to the streets across France, not just in Paris. And their slogan was 10 years, that's enough, which was a reference to Charles de Gaulle. Charles de Gaulle's period as president. He'd been president so for 10 years. 10 years, wow. So this actually led to occupations. And by that I mean workers decided that, like the students who were occupying their university rooms and stuff, they were just going to occupy their factories. Um, so, be there. Yeah, so starting on May 14th, this is what they did. The first was a sit-down strike at the Sud Aviation Plant, which was near Nantes. Nantes. Is it, is it pronounced Nantes? I thought it was pronounced Nantes. Okay. Um, I'm rubbish with French city names. French in general, not a strong point, despite the fact that there's three years of it at, not university, I should be good at school. <laughs> I think we did Nantes in something um, to do with history at A-level. Oh, really? There's something of Nantes, I think. I said this was a big moment. Mm-hmm. And this is why. 
By the 16th of May, workers occupied about 50 factories throughout France. Quite a lot. Not bad. By the 17th of May, I'll move away from factories and now to workers. By the 17th of May, 200,000 workers went on strike. By the 18th of May, 2 million workers were on strike. Are you joking? And then it was 10 million were on strike. And by the 23rd of May, roughly two-thirds of the French workforce were out on strike. Oh my gosh. That was 200,000 and then the next day it was 1 million. 2 million? Uh, yeah. That and then is it was, insane. Then it was 10 million a couple of days later by the sounds of it. And then, yeah, 23rd of May, it was two, two in three. I always think that with a strike, though, people are always worried, like, oh, no, like, we need to stop this escalating more. Yeah. Like, spreading wider. Yeah. Crazy. Oh, oh no. that He literally brought the, the soft country to a, to yeah. a standstill. Cone Bendit, the guy, Danny Red, Danny yeah, Rouge, yeah, whatever he's called, yeah. Um, he actually got expelled from France, came back, and then got expelled again. <laughs> Um, How did he manage I'm that? I'm not sure. I just read that. And I thought it was a funny <laughs> sentence. But in. Um, there was even a half-hearted attempt by some um, to burn down the Paris Stock Exchange on, on May 24th. Oh. It was mental. <laughs> That's what I've written. Sounds just mental insane. times. Crazy stuff. The unions thought that it was about pay. Um, mm-hmm. And they negotiated pay increases with employers' associations. And they thought that'd be that. We'd get them more pay. They got a big... Like, pay increase, they'll be fine. But it wasn't. The people wanted the ousting of the the um, de Gaulle government, and some wanted to run their own factories. Um, and because it was so big, there were a million different demands from people. Yeah. But you can't please everyone. Exactly, that's yeah. That's the issue. And that's the issue. When it escalates like that, more and more people want more and more yeah, things. Yeah, you can't get it to stop because you can't please everyone. Yeah. The strikes continued, and on May 29th, de Gaulle got a helicopter and legged it. (laughs) (laughs) Legged it. It didn't quite happen like this, but that's what it seemed like to the people. He left the country, Mm -hmm. um, and he went to the headquarters of the French military in Germany and called a meeting of the Council of Ministers for the next day back in Paris. And he, because he went... So he wasn't going to be at the meeting? Yeah, no, he was going to be at the meeting in Paris. So he was going to go back to Paris? Yeah. Seems insane then, just wait a night. No, but he organised, he went to Germany and was like, please come and come have this meeting with me in Paris. Oh, he's asking the people yeah. in Paris. Understand? In Germany, I get it, I get yeah. it, yeah. But because he, he went off in his plane, in the middle of all this, he went off in his helicopter and left the country. Just like crazy rumors spread across the country that he'd resigned or that had been a military coup. Oh. Um, but yeah, he was talking to French military high command, basically being like, "Are you going to support me in this?" He should have sent someone else to do that job for him. Maybe, but it, I guess it was strong coming from him, and he needed to know himself. Yeah, yeah. How are you going to support me in this? So on the same day, on the 29th mm-hmm. of May, about five hundred thousand protesters walked through Paris. Um, chanting, adieu, de Gaulle. Adieu. Adieu. I bless you. <laughs> um, the um, police made sure not to use force. Because now on they're day. on the world stage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. De Gaulle came back mm-hmm. and he di- dissolved the National Assembly and called for a new election 
on the 23rd of June. Seems risky to call for a new election. Well, yeah, but I think he had to. He's giving the people what they want. Exactly. Mm, in quotation mm. mark. He ordered workers back to work immediately, threatening to institute a state of emergency if they did not. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the... This is important. I'll mention this in a minute, but the Communist Party agreed to the holding of the election. They were like, yeah, yeah that's fine. Um, and they were a huge part of the movement... The, mm-hmm. the protest. So those agreeing to it was a big step. Yeah. Big moment for de Gaulle, really, it seems. Um, to the fury of the students and the more revolutionary workers, the trade unions accepted a generous capitalism-preserving deal from the government. They got a 10% increase in wages, a 35% increase in the minimum wage, a short working week, and mandatory employer consultations with workers. So after mm. this whole debacle, they've got you know they've got some stuff, but some people were very revolutionary. Some people wanted yeah. you know a communist and then uprising. Some people will just jump on the bandwagon if there's a revolution. Day yeah. off work. We've talked about this before. <laughs> so, Sam's plague. <laughs> so I oh, go listen to number forty something forty maybe. Um, that was Innes's last report. That yes. Done so far. Yeah, ten episodes ago. So, um, yeah. So the, so because the Communist Party agreed to it, agreed to the election, and the trade unions accepted this deal. It kind of loses the it, steam it, behind it, the rest. Exactly. And well, if they've is, agreed to some things, you can't say they're not being reasonable. Yeah, and there was not going to be an overthrow then mm-hmm. because of that. So with that, the the revolution began to subside. Um, the p- police retook the Sorbonne on June sixteenth. So I don't know if, you know, I guess there was confrontations constantly over it. So yeah. I don't know if the students had taken it again. I didn't really, mm-hmm. don't know exactly what happened there. But they took it again. The Ga- the Gaullists, the Gaullists won the greatest victory in French parliamentary history, as well. Which is weird thinking about it, that. People yeah. voted for that's the goal. Because I thought it would be really risky because everyone was no, like, exactly, ten that's years what I is thought. long enough. But hasta la vista. But I don't know. I don't know why that. Obviously, I haven't read into that. But it, yeah, I'm not sure exactly why that happened. I don't know if people lost faith therefore in the, you know, in the Communist Party or there was no yeah. good alternative anymore to more of his yeah, capitalism, maybe. more of his conservatism. So I also think. A lot of people just still don't like communism. Yeah. So, but there was two thirds of the workers out there protesting with them. Striking, yeah. But it doesn't mean no anything. The um the students were very left leaning, mm-hmm. um, and they were seemed pretty middle class, from what I've heard, and that also was an issue because they were middle class, and the workers and the communist part were very working class. Yeah. So, the likelihood of a revolutionary outcome being agreed mm-hmm. by this huge you know yeah. group of people was very unlikely from sort of the moment that the work yeah involved. but that's the thing like you just can't please everyone yeah. that's a massive amount of people striking yeah there was never going to be a, a revolutionary outcome no no that definitely set, that, not that's set like would have settled yeah. everything um and the workers like i said had tangible demands as i mentioned a few mm-hmm. but the students aims were contradictory they were more philosophical than political oh right okay it basically like i said it started as a sexual sexual <laughs> sexual and <laughs> cultural movement sort of thing 
not yeah. a political one. Yeah, the, the, and it was nothing to do with work, really. Like, no, it was more about their situation and other people joined More that they're privileged and they thought they should yeah. be more privileged. The political side of it was amplified when the workers joined. Before then, it was more cultural, as I yeah. said. Students just wanted to just wanted to sleep with each other, um, and I read an independent article, which is quite good. When you search for it, you'll find it. Uh, that they had lost politically, but they had won culturally and maybe even spiritually. Oh, how did um, they win culturally though? Because because sleep with each other. Um, yeah. So another brilliant line from the same article said: France needed six weeks of mayhem to go from grey trousers to purple trousers. From the social and sexual repression of the 1950s to the social and sexual freedom and confusion of the 1970s and afterwards. Oh, so it was a bit of a... So it was a cultural... Like I said, oh, okay. it, after this revolutionary, by the end of it, they were dressing like yeah, revolutionary. To me, it seems bizarre that you can have a cultural shift from a revolution. Why? don't know. It just doesn't... I don't know. It just doesn't seem right. That's what those other revolutions were about. Because it was though, only right? really short as well. It was, it wasn't yeah, six like, weeks. Yeah, that's what I mean. Madness. Um, I haven't obviously done justice to the topic in a, mm-hmm. in my podcast, but you can read the article. And just search for the Paris riots, 1968, or yeah. the French riots, and you'll, you'll come and across And obviously a there's some films about it. There is. And I'll tell you about that in a minute. Ooh. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a... It's a even though it's short, it's a massive topic with a lot happening in all and these a lot different of places. Like, and France is a big place. Exactly, and there's roots like hundreds of years in the past because of you know they've had revolutions mm-hmm. forever, France, and there's consequences still impacted today. Really, you know, cultural impact. Um, I also wanted to point out it's not a threat. It wasn't just a French thing. This was happening across the world. This sort of cultural shift. Yeah, like you Six, mentioned, yeah, power. Exactly. Um, but this um, cultural shift, peace walks. Yeah. Yeah. Sixties, seventies. It was, but the youth revolt in particular, that part of it, which was actually apparently less integral than the workers' uh, involvement in it, um, which obviously makes sense because the workers were the, what the governor government feared. Yeah, yeah. Um, the youth revolt part is more easy to mythologize. What do you mean? Make this like legacy out of make oh, this, yeah, yeah. you know, this myth of like so that's this, why Danny Rouge was a hero, yeah. This myth of you know, the yeah, youth yeah. revolt is I understand quite easy to create mm-hmm. and perpetuate even Ooh, today. Big word, yeah. I've got a Matt's movie corner, <gasps> yes, can't wait. Matt's movie corner, <laughs> um. There's um, a few films, mm-hmm. there's quite a lot of films about it, to be honest, but I haven't actually focused on that. Okay. Last week, you, I thought, even though Matt's Movie Corner, or, or Idiot's Talk History's Movie Corner, is quite a new segment. Yeah. I talked about movies briefly in, in a few of the episodes. Mm-hmm. Last week, you didn't. I tried. <laughs> in Lorna's Movie Corner, <laughs> you didn't talk about James Holman. The Blind Traveller, you talked about a there man named... There was no Tra- films about exactly. The Blind Traveller. I did what I could. So this is, is about film, mm-hmm. but it's actually about the world's most famous film festival. And does it relate to the 1960s? Yes. Oh, okay, allow it. Um, May 18th, 1968. Mm-hmm. Second week of the Cannes Film Festival. Yeah. Oh, I like this. France. I like this movie corner. It was about to kick off. Yep. 
Press conference was called. 10 a.m. Uh-huh. May 18th. A couple of people took to the stage, um, calling themselves the Cinematic Defence Committee. The two um, people who took the stage were Jean-Luc Godard and Francois Truffaut. I always oh. say his name wrong, Truffaut. Um, two young directors at the mm-hmm. time. And Goddard was a political one, Truffaut was not so much yep. a political one. So, took to stage and Truffaut said, France uh, is in a state of siege. Mm-hmm. This was during it, obviously. After a spate of, you know, um, student protests have escalated into this national riot and everything, he said, and I quote, The radio announces by the hour that factories are occupied are closed. The trains have stopped and the metron buses will be next. So to announce every hour that the Cannes Film Festival continues is just ridiculous. And then Goddard just said, "We're taking so we're taking solidarity with students and workers, and you're talking." Oh no, I've got that wrong. He said, "We're talking solidarity with students and workers, and you're talking about dolly shots and close-ups." You're, and then he said, "The uh, A word." A-holes. He said A-holes. He said, you're A-holes. <laughs> um, Trofar was trying to... I always say his name wrong. Sounds good. Francois Trofar. kept saying... You know, he was quite... You know, he was explaining it. And I then want to know what he looks like. Jean-Luc was just like, you're A-holes. <laughs> we can't carry on doing this. Everywhere else is <laughs> shut down. It's to the point. Because it, it has such I think like, they've got a point, though. They do, because it's really fancy, like... Goddard argued that the festival with its champagne receptions and its fancy yacht parties was an embarrassing anachronism. He said, there isn't a film that's been showed today that represents the problems going on today amongst workers and young people. Um, yeah, and that the Canfield song was sort of a joke for continuing. Oh, I Which think makes they're sense. right. Yeah. Yeah, and it was a bit of back and forth. I'm going to keep this yeah. movie kind of short. A bit of back <laughs> and forth. Um, but the director, the f- festival director, Robert Favre-Lebret, I don't know how to say that, his response was pretty quick, actually. He said he, he closed the festival. The festival would close its doors at noon the following day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that meant there was one screening left yep. to be shown, um, which was uh, called Peppermint Frappe, um, Psychological Thrill. Look, it, look for it. Don't know if it's any good. And um, but by this time, Carlos Saura, who's the director, he'd been convinced that we shouldn't be running the Cannes Film Festival. This is a oh, joke. What are we that. doing? Uh, and he joined this Rebel Alliance. So he, supported by his um, co-star Geraldine Chaplin, refused to let the curtain go up on his film. And as the film started, the audience could see a fight break out on stage. As he was trying to stop the curtain from coming oh down, going up, and, <laughs> or opening, and they were, they were trying to keep it shut. Um, and no one, in the dark, no one could see who was fighting. But apparently, Chaplin lost a tooth, um, and he was apparently punched uh, accidentally by a fellow protester. She oh was my God. Geraldine. Geraldine, she. So, yeah, a bit of a undignified a end to the festival that year. <laughs> And Francois, our good friend, was blamed for it. Um, and he was dis- not Goddard. No, well, not as much. I don't think. I think oh, they were both blamed. But he it, but was he, the one who was a I bit know. aggressive with it. Um, and he was a declared persona non grata, which is like, pers- I don't know what that means in English, but you know, you're not. Uh, allowed yeah, to I don't know. And he, that was that's the um, one of the worst punishments that Cam film <laughs> C- City of Cam can give out. Was he not allowed back? Um, 
No. Oh, the, apparently the the worst punishment that they could give out was that he was refused service at the fashionable blue bar. Oh, it doesn't sound like punishment. <laughs> no, that. I think that was a bit of a joke. Got that <laughs> from the website. Um, and Francois said that people have held that behaviour at Cannes against him for a long oh. time. Um, and that was, he said that later on in the year. Um, and he said, but I also know that a few days later, when there was there were no more planes and no more trains, when the telephones weren't working and we'd run out of petrol and cigarettes, the festival would have looked utterly ridiculous if it tried to carry on. I think somebody had to take a stand. Yeah. And that was the, you know, that was a, a big moment in film history that people still talk about. And that's what the... Um, Partly, you know, this that leaflet that I mentioned at the start yes. was showed. Um, oh, that because that's for about films. So. Yeah, so it was talking about the uh, closing down of the Cannes Film Festival in, mm. in nineteen sixty eight, which was a big event. Good movie corner. Thanks. It was movie history corner, wasn't it? Yeah. It wasn't even just here's that some films really about good. it. Um, do you want to thank anyone? Do you want to tell people what we can do? What, yeah, what, sure. what am I even saying anymore? I know what you mean. Good. Um, if you have some feedback for Matthew or me and you would like to get in touch, you can contact us on email. It's at, oh no, it's idiothistorypod at gmail.com. Um, Twitter is at idiothistorypod. Um, you can tweet us, send us a picture. We're, if I can find... The article about the National Union of Students, I will tweet it. Um, and just subscribe on iTunes, that helps us out. And if you'd like to, give us a review and tell a friend. Thanks for listening. 50 yes, episodes. thank you. Have a good week. Have a great week. We will speak to you next week. Yes. 51 next week. Ooh. We're so old. <laughs> Ooh, Bye. 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 Bye.